Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple of people talking about a movie that they love. So the format is each week I have a guest, and that guest discusses a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they grew up with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal experience that a guest had with the movie. So if that sounds interesting to you, keep listening. Hi, this is Lisa. I am back <laughs> after a brief hiatus, and today I have a returning guest. Hello. This is Tommy. Uh, you heard him in... Uh, well, I don't remember what episode number was, but we were talking about episode four of Star Wars. Yes. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so he is back to talk about The Empire Strikes Back. Woohoo! Woo <laughs> and uh, so glad to have him back. Um, let's see what I was going to say. Uh, so glad to have him back. And I, I just watched this movie again last night. I'm just really excited to get into it. So. Me too. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, let me uh, let me read the synopsis real quick and get that out of the way okay. a little bit, and then we'll kind of jump right into it. Actually, before we jump into that, we should catch up really quick. So, so I want to say that before you listen to this one, I really think you should go back and listen to our first episode together. Absolutely. Yeah, because that I'm I'm probably not going to go as far into the actors and their backgrounds in this one since you know we already you know, have we that information. Covered yeah. that, you know. I think we'll probably talk about the director because the director's different on this one, but most of the players are the same since it's a sequel, so we'll stick with that. And also, just so you can hear uh, Tommy's great stories, his thoughts on the first movie, and uh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, go check that out real quick and then come back here. And then come back. We'll, we'll still be here. Yes. Um, okay, so I am going to read the synopsis of The Empire Strikes Back. The adventure continues in this Star Wars sequel. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Chewbacca face attack by the Imperial forces. And it's at at Walker. Do you say at at or at? I say at at. At at. Okay. And if you if you're gonna argue with us on that, let me know, <laughs> and I have a video from Jessica Chobot of Nerdist who will put you in your place and let you know it's at at. It's at at. It's a great video. <laughs> so forces and it's at at Walkers on the ice planet Hoth. While Han and Leia escape in the Millennium Falcon, Luke travels to Dagobah in search of Yoda. Only with the Jedi Master's help will Luke survive when the dark side of the Force beckons him into the ultimate duel with Darth Vader. That's, that's pretty, a pretty solid. Yeah. 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 And so this movie came out in 1980, so that's... Uh, Two years after the first one. Three years after Three the first years. one. Three years. Oh, 77. 77. Oh, I was thinking 78. Okay, you're right. This is the fourth year. So it came out May 21st, 1980. 1980. <laughs> great. <laughs> we're prepared this yes, time. Yes, very prepared this time. I have a lot more notes. <laughs> Full disclosure, last time, uh, it was a great night, but we were a little rushed because we were heading to Tommy's birthday party. It was yes. kind of a dual purpose hangout session, so <laughs> we're like really extra prepared this time. But tonight, I have all the tonight. time in the world. We're going to be here all night. Yeah, yeah we don't have to worry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, so this one, actually, I saw, I, I rewatched it last night, 
And then I watched it again today. That's like a record for me, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't usually watch it twice in a row, but I watched it again today with the director's commentary. Because I always mean to do that, but then I something happens, life interrupts, I run out of time right before. And I have to say I really enjoyed listening to that. So I know. I loved I, I watched the uh, Empire of Dreams special uh, to go along with watching the movie again. And it just, you get so much information and background and, and what they're going through and what it was like. It's great to hear all that kind of inside stuff. Yeah. Um, like, my favorite thing is, is if you're not aware, uh, this is one of the most successful independent movies ever. George Lucas financed this entire movie himself. Oh, There's right. no studio paid for this film. Yeah. Um, 20th Century Fox distributed it, but um, this is technically an independent film. Yeah, I was, I was watching in the behind the scenes, or, or it was maybe as a commentary, he was saying that he, he bought the rights to all three films because... He didn't think that they would continue. He was worried that people wouldn't receive the first one very well and that he would have to fight studios. So he actually paid for them and then it ended up really paying off because the studio didn't have control over, you know, his um, his vision. So that was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite footnotes of that, as you say, where he thought it wasn't going to do that well, um, Empire Strikes Back is not the original story treatment for the Star Wars sequel. It's a novel called Splinters of the Mind's Eye. Oh, okay. um, Where Luke and Leia go to look for a crystal and fight Darth Vader. It's an interesting read. Oh, uh, of okay. course, not canon at all, but that was his original intent to yeah. be the sequel to Star Wars because he didn't think he'd get to make another movie. Oh, okay. Um, that makes sense. Wow, I did not know that. That's really cool. But thankfully, he did get to make another movie, and we got Empire instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, this one is pretty much everybody's favorite, right? Yeah, I think so. I think you if you hit most people up, um, especially if they watched a lot of these movies as a child before the, the prequels came out, this is their favorite. Right. Uh, even Irving Kirshner says this is the second act of, like, an opera. This is the dark one. This is where everything goes to hell, and it's usually the best part of the story. You know? Right. I think I kind of had, like, a... Because... Well, I mean, I saw these movies not a ton growing up, but I did see them. So I don't think I realized that whole, like, that it was that much darker than the first one. I think because I tend to think of all three movies as just kind of like one thing. One story, yeah. So I don't notice that extreme contrast between the first one and this one as much. And uh, when Karen and I were doing uh, The Temple of Doom, they mentioned that when, for that movie, Lucas was saying this is kind of like The Empire Strikes Back of... The Raider series and it's darker, only that one wasn't as good. <laughs> but that don't was like the Doom as much. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't. I, I think more as an adult, as a kid, I really loved it. Oh, I did but, too. But yeah, I agree. If, if just to touch base on those, that would probably be my third out of the four. It's not terrible. No, it's not bad. It's, it's not just, Raiders and it's not The Last Crusade. So, yeah. You know, it's just, it's there. But uh, so yeah, with Empire, I think you get the darker film, which again, as a little kid, I didn't get that. Yeah. As I got older, I'm like, man, this really yeah, is yeah. a downturn because when the movie ends, everybody's in a bad position. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I noticed that. Or um, Yeah, we'll get into some of the scenes a little bit So here in a minute, but I did want to ask you really quick, when, when did you first see this movie and how did you see it? Um, I, I saw it in a theater, but I vaguely have any remembrance of it because um, I was five. <laughs> I yeah. really, the first time I really remember seeing it, even though I'd seen it before, was right before Jedi came out. Um, my uh, neighbor had HBO or something like that, and it was on HBO. We watched it right before we went and saw Jedi. Oh, cool. Uh, so that's okay. the first time I remember. I know I saw it before that, um, but that's the first time I really remember watching it mm-hmm. and that I have memories of it. And um, 
So I was probably about seven. Yeah. I, I'd say when I really remember watching it, I just like just like with the original one. I know I watched it when I was younger, but I don't really remember it till going to my dad's house when I was around five and and, and seeing it there. Yeah. I think for me, I, I don't remember like an exact moment. Again, this kind of reminds me of like the Planet of the Apes movies in that I think it's like Planet of the Apes, uh, Star Wars, and then maybe like the Alien franchise. We're just on this like loop in our living room. <laughs> like, every time I do one of these, I'm like, it was me, my dad, my Uncle Gil, we're all in the living room. It's weird how many movies I saw that way, but I did. And we would just kind of chill in the living room and just watch movies that came on TV. And I think that's how I saw it, which I feel like sort of did me a disservice for some of these movies because I don't think they're meant to be just binged. You know, it's like to, to have that experience you did of like seeing the first one and the second one and getting excited when the third one came out. Like that has to be like, a, I think, a better experience of seeing these movies that I, I only kind of get now as an adult. I agree. You know? And a lot of people saw them on a TV set, you know, growing up. Yeah. They, I mean, thankfully they've re-released movies several times, but... I've always felt this is one of those movies that you really should see on a big screen. Yeah. I remember when um, Independence Day came out. Yeah. We had gone to the theater to see that, and um, not to start a fight with you, but I remember, <laughs> I remember in the theater there was a trailer for the next Next Generation Star Trek movie, uh-huh. and we're at the. AMC Grand over in Dallas, which was the biggest theater in the area at the time. Yeah, yeah, and I, that. I don't remember which Star Trek it was. But Probably a terrible one. But <laughs> a lot of the next generation movies were bad. Um, <laughs> but when it's over, people start applauding, and I was just in a mood that day, and I'm, I start yelling at the crowd, "Do not applaud that!" <laughs> and That's people, lazy. And people got quiet. I'm like, "Yeah." And then the next trailer was for the re-release of Star Wars, and it starts off with a little TV, and it says, "Chances are you've only seen these films this way." And then, like, an X-Wing flies to the TV, and it bursts and fills the whole screen, and it's a trailer for the re-release of the original three. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, the, the theater's quiet, and I'm like, now that you can applaud, and they all were up and That is hilarious. <laughs> but, well, um, there is such a huge difference. I mean, Star Wars, it's more fantasy. It's a space opera. It's based on, you know, serials like Buck Rogers and um, the second one I can't think of. Uh, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah. yep, that's what I was going to say. And, um, I mean, so th- those are, like, real experiences in a way that, I mean, Star Trek's pretty, like, straight, heavy sci-fi. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not really, like... Which, let me explain. I enjoyed First Contact <laughs> a lot in the theater. I thought it was a great film. That's, Send all the, complaints, <laughs> too. I'm just Yeah, kidding. on my Facebook page. <laughs> but I am, I am more of a Star Wars fan. But anyway... Um, well, I can see why, especially, like you said, seeing these in theaters. I mean, you're right. I, I got to see these in theaters when they were re-released when I was around... I think 16, when they started uh, the, the prequels, mm-hmm. I went and saw, you know, the three original movies in theaters, and then saw the prequels, and then I think I was having the same thing you were saying, where I was like, don't applaud that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I was like, wow, I'm so lucky, I get to see the same thing <laughs> reimagined, and then it was not. <laughs> but that's okay, you know what, we've got these new ones coming out, and they're great. Oh, so, they're great, yeah, yeah, they're fantastic, I love the new ones. <laughs> A lot. But, uh, yeah, I remember the, spe- the special editions, um, which I know some people have strong feelings about. Yes. Um, There's so many strong feelings when it comes to this franchise. <laughs> but I love that they came out with, like, within three months of each other. It's like, yeah, go to the theater in December and see A New Hope, and then February, Empire, and then March, Jedi. And mm-hmm. we would drive from Arlington all the way out to the Grand because that was the biggest and best theater and the best sound. But I even remember being stuck in traffic to get to A New Hope. 
and in my roommate Tommy's little Tercel up on Loop 12 coming up to Northwest Highway, and there's traffic, and he's like, I'm not going to miss this movie. And he goes down the median, down the hill, in this little Tercel to get to the access <laughs> road so we can get into the theater. Um, That's great. <laughs> so we're like, not missing Star Wars. we got to have middle, middle seats, you know. Just, uh, it's a different world back then. <laughs> yes. Now there's, like, theaters everywhere, and they're, like, entire couches in them. Oh, yeah, like, yeah you have a sign seat. So like. <laughs> I, I do have to say, just on a side tangent, you can probably yeah. delete this. No, you're right. Part of me misses the fact that we don't stand in line anymore. Yeah. That you go, and you, it's great that your seat is already purchased, so you know you don't have to stand in line, and your chair is waiting for you. But I had a great time uh, standing in line for episodes uh one, two, and three. Oh, yeah. They were you like, know, they, were, they were parties. Fun. Yeah, yeah like was, people showed up in Jedi costumes. Yeah. We cheered, we chanted. We it played was great. board games. I yeah. mean, it was great. It's and like now, a concert. yeah, it was like a concert. But now, so now my seat's paid for. I just show up. Go to know. Alamo. Yeah. It'll be the same. It, yeah, like, just, last time, uh, what was it? Uh, well, not Wonder Woman, but it was Guardians. We went, I think it was on opening night or the day after. And we, I went up there like an hour or two early, and we just like, our friends were all dressed up, and so we, like, hung out with them, and then we went to the bar, and then we ate, and, like, I remember I told my friend Cody, he, I think he went with us, too, and I said, I'm going to get up there extra early. He was like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I just want, I want, I miss all that. I, mean, I do, like, for episode two, uh, we were in line 12 hours before midnight, you know, and just, that's what she did, and you, yeah. don't, you don't do that now. So I kind of miss that a bit, but at the same time, I like the fact that I can buy my seat and know that it's there waiting for me. Um, let's, um, since we've talked a little bit about when we first saw it and all that good stuff, um, let's jump in a little bit to the director. So like I said earlier, you know, I think you guys are familiar with Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford, and George Lucas, and, um, if you don't, if you want our deeper thoughts on them, go back and listen to the first episode that we did, um, on A New Hope, but on this one, I, I just really wanted to talk about Irving Kirshner a little bit, the director, um, and I had a couple facts on him, and I'm sure you probably I have one too. or two. You probably have yeah. the same ones. But yeah, go ahead. No, actually, why don't you go? Uh, well, the first one I have is uh, he said uh, he was offered the movie over lunch and told George Lucas no. Um, the first one was so great. It was such yeah. a breakthrough, lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. There's no way to duplicate it. Um, it's too much pressure to do that. And I guess he was more of a director who did character-driven films, but that's why Lucas yeah, wanted it, because it was time to... Yeah. He wanted to expand the characters in depth, which Empire does. It does a lot, um, yeah. And he said after the meeting, his agent called him and said, how'd it go? And he said, well, Lucas offered me the new Star Wars, which didn't have a name then, and his agent told him, you're a fool if you don't take it, so yeah. he turned around and took it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he, he also directed... Uh, I didn't realize he directed Never Say Never Again, mm-hmm. James Bond film, and then uh, Robocop 2, not as... Yeah. Right, but um, I, I did. Re- you know, he's the only director to have directed a Star Wars film, a Bond film, and like RoboCop. Like that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like that's that's really awesome that he got to do all that. Um, I, I read that the main theme in his movies have to do with social alienation and weakness, which you can really see in this film a lot. And I I think that's just like a cool tangent. Uh, so I really like uh, a quote from George Lucas where he told Irving Kushner. You know everything a Hollywood director is supposed to know, but you're not Hollywood. And I do feel that way about this movie, and especially listening to him. He's just so, in the commentary, he's so, like, amused. He's like, oh, look what I did here, and at this part I put this. And, you know, I don't know. He was just very, like, humble in a way, I guess. Yeah, I, don't I know. think it's I, I, great. Really, really uh, genuine. My favorite story from him, and then I'm going to touch base on what you just kind of said oh, there yeah. was, 
he talks about shooting there in, um, oh gosh, Sweden, Norway, wherever they were on the glacier. Oh, yeah. And he tells the story, he's laughing about it, how the snow came in that night and blocked up the doors to the hotel, and they couldn't get outside to film. Oh, wow. So they chose to do the scenes where Luke is leaving the Wampa Cave and seeing Ben. So he says, we just stayed inside the doorway of the hotel <laughs> and made Mark Hamill go out into the snow. <laughs> Everyone's inside, nice and toasty and warm, and we're yelling at Mark, do this, go further out, do this. And poor Mark Hamill has to go freeze his tail off while yes. um, everybody else, he said, we're just all nice and toasty in the doorway of the hotel. <laughs> so that shot, that scene that looks like Hamill's in the middle of nowhere the other side of the camera is this nice big hotel. That <laughs> and, is hilarious. But um, magic. Talking what you said about him not being Hollywood, um, Lucas really talks about a lot not wanting to be beholden to Hollywood in the studios. Mm-hmm. And um, you may have this note down the line too, how once the film was over, um, the guilds came after them because they didn't want to put the credits in front of the film. Oh, really? No, I, I, I didn't so, know that. So since they didn't think the first Star Wars would be a big deal, None of the guilds made a big deal of him not putting the credits up front. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to do Empire, um, they fined Lucas a couple hundred thousand dollars and then went after Kurtz and, and tried to, uh, not Irving, they call him Kurtz, not Hertz, um, <laughs> tried to find him too, and Lucas paid all those to the point that one of us over, Lucas quit the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, and the Motion Picture Association of America. Wow. Which is why, also, we don't have Steven Spielberg as the director of Jedi, but we can talk about that another time. <laughs> but, um, well, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I had read that there was an issue with that. And I remember even on one of our episodes, Kara was like, how come Spielberg didn't do Star Wars? You know, they were so close. Yeah, that's, it's because he couldn't, he couldn't have a Spielberg because he was part of the guild. And oh. that's why he had to get someone that he, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get yeah. to Jedi. But, um, that is really interesting. So, yeah, that's, that's why George Lucas does not um, belong yeah. to any of those, those guilds and associations anymore. He gets um, pretty upset at them for a few things. Like, I have down that, um, uh, well, you know, he offered, he originally offered the role of Yoda to Jim Henson, who said, I'm too busy, mm-hmm. go for Frank Oz, uh, which worked out amazing. And he wanted Frank Oz to win an Oscar. Yeah, because Frank Oz talks about that, too. Um, the puppeteer, Stanley, I can't think of his last name, designed Yoda off of a self-portrait in the mirror where he combined his face and Albert Einstein because he wanted to have a wise-looking face. You can definitely see that, yeah. And Frank Oz talks about how on that stage, there's like a stage, like three feet off the ground that they all worked off, but he was underneath the stage working Yoda from underneath doing the voice, but Hamill couldn't really hear him. And no one could hear him underneath there. And there were other puppeteers working the ears and the eyes and, and how difficult it was because he was there, yeah. but he wasn't there. And uh, he said a lot of times uh, Irving would give Yoda direction and Frank Oz would be like, look, I'm down here. You know, I'm not, I'm not actually in the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell Yoda what to do and, and, and yeah. I can't hear you down here. So, um, yeah, Frank Oz really um, put in a ton of work, hunched three feet under a stage. Yeah. Looking at that puppet the whole time, he said there would be holes in the floor, but he would put Yoda up through, and then he would have to work the scene. And he gives a lot of credit to Mark Hamill for making the character believable because they mm-hmm. said Hamill was so great at his responses and dealing with the puppet to make yeah. it seem like a live, living being. I mean, it's something that you don't really think about because it's kind of part of our, like, pop culture lore, I guess. But, you know, that... that Puppet could have been ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah. easily could have been terrible. Lucas said, I'm so fearful. He said, if Yoda doesn't work, the whole movie's dead. If I yeah. put this out and it's 
Luke and Kermit the Frog talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. This, this is bomb. And if I, and he told Irving, if this movie doesn't do well, the story's done. Yeah. But if it does well, we can keep making more. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean, he's like one of the most beloved characters in that movie, yeah. born out of just. Uh, you know, he had killed off um, Obi-Wan in the first mm -hmm. one, so now Obi-Wan can't train Luke, and he's like, i got to come up with something yeah. else, and he came up with this character, and, and he really wanted Frank Oz to win an Oscar, and the uh, Academy said no. They said he's a puppeteer, which is crazy. I feel like it, things have really changed in the movie industry. We look yes. at things so differently now, but back then it was, like, just so disrespectful about somebody who... I mean, his performance in the movie is what I think... In addition to uh, to uh, Mark Hamill, it's what sells that character. I mean, it's, it's very believable. The the puppet looks great, obviously, but also just his take on the character and how he worked it. And yeah, yeah, and I agree. You look back at how the most picture association, how the people who do the Oscars, and everything, and Academy Awards. I still am going to complain about Annie Hall winning an Oscar over Star Wars. It doesn't make any sense at all to me, with all due respect to Woody Allen. Yeah. I don't I don't understand how that movie won the Oscar over Star Wars, but. Um, because they don't they don't put those movies Losing on the same thing. yeah the fact that they gave Return of the King an Oscar like hey here's an Oscar for all three of your movies yeah. that were fantasy based I thought it was a big deal yeah you know that's like you didn't really earn the Oscar for Return of the King because it wasn't the strongest one of them all if you ask me but it's like here's for your achievement on all three of these giant I mean, it's films still, yeah it's a cinematic achievement and I I would hope maybe maybe one of these next two films might get that kind of courtesy. I think it's totally possible. I mean, they're talking about this year. I mean, it's kind of far-fetched, but they're saying even, like, Wonder Woman's up for Best it Picture. It should be, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, that that never used to happen. No. I think people are realizing now that um, as, I guess, nerd culture gets integrated even more so with, um, with everybody mainstream. else. Yeah, mainstream media. It's like they, they can't ignore it anymore. They have to acknowledge it. Well, I thought know? Winter Soldier should at least been nominated for Best Picture when it came out. Yeah. I thought it was such a great movie, mm -hmm. whether you're a superhero fan or not. Yeah, yeah. You know? For me, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was mm -hmm. fantastic. But, yeah. So, yeah, Empire, I don't see what... I'm, I'm sure there's a great movie that won the Oscar that year. Um, <laughs> but I should have looked that up. <laughs> yeah, you know. But um, I just don't see how the movie of that quality, which is considered the better, like for most people, the best one of the series. Yeah. Didn't, oh, um, yeah. Didn't pull that, that, that thing down. But, um, yeah, so like I said, you know, it's a, Lucas self-financed. He put the money he made off of Star Wars into it. The budget was going $25 million. Um, he had to take out a loan for 30 I think, from Bank of America. Wow. And then uh, they went over budget by $10 million, and Bank of America wanted to pull the loan. Uh, Carrie Kurtz had to say, what are you talking about? You're the largest bank in the world. This is the most successful movie ever made, and you, you want to pull the loan? It's crazy. That's nuts. Um, and, of course, they didn't, and the movie, I saw Lucas made back every dime he put into it. He put all his money in Star Wars. He was dead broke to make mm -hmm. Empire and made all his money back and then some in three months. That's crazy. And, of course, he's up until he sold out to Disney, he was making money off that movie. Still that day. Yeah. I was going to bring up one more time the Wampa attack. You know what, though? Okay, when I was listening to... Okay, in the last episode, we were saying we kind of felt bad for Mark Hamill because he said, look, that car accident I was in did not cause horrible scarring. I, yeah. like, broke my nose, like, come on. And everyone's, like, in the Wampa attack, he's, like, disfigured, um, which is so mean. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not right. what happened. That's not what happened. Um, but when I was listening to the commentary, uh, George Lucas said... He he was he says he's like he did look different after the accident and 
I kind of thought we could just be like, oh, well, he's been in the Rebel Alliance, things have happened, you know. And, yeah, you know, to a degree, uh, if you go look at A New Hope and Empire, he breaking his nose did make him it, look different. It did. I mean, he was, yeah. and we were saying last time he was probably at that age on top of that where you kind of just, you know, it's kind of like you look the same from, like, 25 to 35 kind yeah. of deal. You know, he was just at that age where he just, he didn't look like a little boy anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and but uh, he did say that the Wampa attack thing kind of worked out. But it was not intentional. And this is another point when we come back to the people who want to argue about special editions. <laughs> I think special edition helped Empire the most out of all the movies. Mm-hmm. Because as a kid, in, in the original ones, all you did was hear the Wampa. Oh, you, you saw okay. when, when he first attacked him on the Tauntaun, you saw that, which was terrifying as a five-year-old. Um, <laughs> and then in the cave, you only hear him in the distance. And I think you see like him moving through the thing. You see like the side of his arm. And then Luke cuts himself down, and you still have the scene where the Wampa rushes him. You only see the top part of it. But yeah. now we get to see the Wampa eating on the Tauntaun and breathing back without his arm anymore. And right. I, I think it's a great, that's a great use of special editions. There's, there's some parts that aren't great, but right. I thought for Empire, that was a great, great addition. And if you get a chance to see deleted scenes, there are deleted scenes where there are Wampas in the Hoth base when the stormtroopers are coming through, um, where 3PO does take a sign off a door and a stormtrooper comes by, opens the door, and a Wampa comes out and grabs him and pulls him <laughs> in. So there's a lot of deleted footage out there of them fighting Wampas if you ever want to go check that out. Um, but I, I like cool. the way it came out. They used the one and they Yeah, did they've got to cut some yeah. stuff out, so it's like it's always fun to go back and see the deleted scenes, but it doesn't like pull away from the movie or anything. Yeah. That's good. Did you have any more, like, uh, just random facts before we jump um, into the main plot? Let's see here. Um, talk about the blown thing. Uh, no, because, I mean, you talked on Yoda. I think the other two big characters that we could touch on oh, yeah. um, are are one of my favorites, Lando Calrissian. He's about the great oh, Lando yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. And even though he wasn't mentioned by name in the, the movie, uh, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett is one yeah. of the most iconic Star Wars characters out there, so if you're going in that direction, then yeah, let's go that direction. I didn't even notice that about the movie until I was listening to the commentary, that that you don't uh, ever even hear his name mentioned. Yeah, Vader called him Bounty Hunter. Yeah, that's so crazy. But they, they, I think they say his name in the first one, right? Yes. And then, do they say, well, then he dies, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. Such an iconic character that they don't even say his name. Yeah, they don't even say his name. Um, and then Dane Jedi, the first time you hear it is when Han's yelling at Chewie, Boba Fett, Boba Fett where? And then, yeah, there he, oh, okay. he gets that punked out ending of falling into the Basara pit. And uh, that's the only time you hear Boba Fett's name. Wow. Uh, I mean, of course, in the prequels you do, but um, yeah, such an iconic character that's loved by so many, had such little screen time and didn't really do a whole lot. Hey, let's get into some of your favorite scenes here. We haven't talked about that okay. yet. Okay. Um, so, I think to start off, uh, one of my favorite scenes, and I, I laughed at it today, is um, when Han is going around the uh, the Echo Base trying to figure out where Luke is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, can you check? It's getting cold outside. But when he climbs on the Tauntaun and the guy tells him, your Tauntaun won't make the first mark, or he just turns around in such Han Solo style, I'll just see you in hell, and takes off. I just love that scene <laughs> where he's like, screw you, dude. My buddy's out in the cold. Quit telling me not to go. I mean, yeah. I just love the way, and of course, it's a little kid. He said hell, you know. I mean, like, whoa, H-E double hockey stick. I think a lot of the best scenes are in the Echo Base with Harrison Ford 
where he just owns Han Solo. I mean, yeah. he just, I mean, yeah, he was a scoundrel and a rogue and everything in the first movie, but I think he really took it up to a next level in this film. Mm-hmm. I love that scene there. I love when he does the whole Nerf Herder conversation with, yes. with Princess Leia. That's great. It um, is. I like when they're trying to get out of there, and she's like, would it help if I got out and push? It might. I mean, he's still this cocky, great guy. And yeah. I think the whole run of them in Echo Base is one of my favorite parts of the film mm-hmm. because of Harrison Ford is on solo. I um, know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can 100%. just nitpick. I mean, the whole... Are you afraid I'm going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? I just assume to kiss a Wookiee. I can arrange that. I mean, he's just so great and, and all of that. But then you still see he won't leave without her because... Yeah, because he loves her. He loves her, yeah. I think it's funny. Some people, I feel like, misinterpret that iconic line where she says, I love you, and he goes, I know. But it's like that's such a huge payoff it, because the whole first part of that movie... He's going, you love me. You you know that you do. Da, 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 da. And she's just like so resistant. And at the end, she has that, that really painful panic in her face of like, oh my gosh, I never told him. And then she says, and he goes, I know. No. It's like, that's really satisfying. And what I love about that scene, too, is that's not, and I'm sure people know that that's yeah. not in the script. That's right, yeah. That um, Kircher talks about how they went over it three or four times where he comes back and says, I love you too. And finally just tells Ford, just. Do whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Like he, he fires off. That, that's an ad lib scene. Yeah. And yeah, I think outside of the most iconic one, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. Right. <laughs> I think that's the best line of the movie, is I know. Yeah. I mean, you see it now. You can buy his and her towels that say, I love you, I know. And yeah. you can get wedding rings hidden, I love you, I know. And it's just, and how they, they of course, follow up in Jedi where they flip it around. But right. um, yeah, I think that's, again, one of the best scenes in there. And I think that's mm-hmm. the second best line of the movie. I think that's where you can really see. Irvin, I feel like I'm, I'm saying always saying his name wrong. wrong yeah. It's like Irvin Kirshner's. Um, you can really see Irvin Kirshner's influence there. I yes, think. I agree. You know, in his in his interest in character development, and when you watch the commentary, he's constantly talking about, okay, right here, I wanted there to be humor, but we needed to communicate this. You know, we don't have a lot of time to get into their relationship. Their relationship can't go anywhere because it ends, you know, in a on a sour note. So here's how I got the kind of thought process. And it's just so impressive how they were able to communicate so much emotion. And yet, you know, they, they kiss like once or twice. Yeah. And that's it, you know. And it's like, but it feels so strong, so real, maybe because of all that tension. That yes, and that's up. what makes yeah. it so great. You know, they say once you break the tension, you ruin a story. But Empire, I think, is built on the tension between Han and Leia. Oh, for sure. And you know, I tell a lot of people, I said, not only is this the darkest film, but this, in one essence, is a love story. Yeah. Between Han and Leia. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. There's a deleted scene where she's trying to make him jealous a little bit in Cloud City, and I think when I took it out, where he's talking about leaving, mm-hmm. um, they're in, she comes in in a little red outfit, which I personally don't like, but whatever. Um, <laughs> she comes in in the red outfit, he tells her she's beautiful, and they're talking, and he leans in to kiss her, and she turns away. And says, I hope Luke got back to the uh, Pluto okay. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you didn't leave that in the film. Yeah, it's like, because, it can be too much. Yeah, it can be too yeah. much. But um, instead they go with the, uh, once we're out of here, she's like, well, I guess you're gone, too. And yeah. kind of hinting at that, you know, she didn't want him to go. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Irving did a, I'm going to keep calling him Irving because I'm going to butcher his last name. <laughs> that's okay. I think that's where that's hiring Lucas, Lucas hiring him really pays off. Yeah. Like you said, in 
that development of character because you do learn a lot about Luke, Leia, and Han that you didn't have in the first film where mm -hmm. they're just kind of on an adventure. Time to get to know them, yeah, yeah, get to know the characters and who they are. And, and that, that's what makes the climax of the story so intense. What's, what's another favorite scene for you? Um, I really like when they first land in Cloud City and we first see Lando Calrissian. He comes out and kind yes. of, like, you got a lot of nerve coming here and does a fake thing and the hug. And uh, you know, Lando, when I was a kid, was a real controversial character because is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? Until Jedi came out, you know, we didn't know. Oh. He betrayed Han Solo, but he kind of had to. And that argument, which I'm sure has happened many times throughout the years, is where Lando stands. Is he really a hero or not? Well, in the um, commentary, they say he has the same arc that Han has in the first one. Yeah. Where he, he's running, he's just going to give up, he doesn't want to engage in this fight, and then by the end he has a change of heart because of Han, Luke, and Leia, and that's kind of like in the first one where Han has a change of heart because of Leia and Luke. So it's kind of like this idea of their, you know, rebel spirit. Yeah. Uh, being contagious and, and having a really positive influence. I mean, that's it's light versus dark, right? It's absolutely you know, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the that's the thread in the movie. So I think if you think of him as just a bad guy, I think that's too. I think Star Wars does a really good job of saying there's not a bad guy. It's like you choose one path or the other. Yeah, yeah. it's very conflicted, and I love that about Lando. And I thought Billy Williams was fantastic as the character. Yeah, I love I loved his outfit. Like I, yes. I don't think I realized this growing up, but we were watching it again. I told Nick, I'm like, you know what? His costume is actually my favorite in this movie. Like it's the most interesting. It's refreshing. It's different. You know, the other characters kind of. I mean, they they do costume changes, mm -hmm. uh, subtle differences or subtle to me, but. Um, with with his character, he really stands out. You know, yeah, because he's, yeah. he's a businessman. He owns this place. He with a big blue high collared shirt, the kind of bell bottom out slacks. Yeah. Like I said, the cape. I mean, rocks that mustache so well. He's yeah. just Billy Williams was the perfect fit for that character. He really and, was. Um, and I love Lando. I think Lando doesn't get enough credit for his parts of the story. And I hope we see him in the next one somewhere along the line. But. Um, oh, he is going to be in the next one. It's going to be a uh, what's his name? I think Donald Glover is going to play him. Oh, I meant I meant oh, uh, in, oh, the, in, in the, the in the newer ones. Oh, okay, Billy okay. Williams. Yeah. I hope he would show up. But yeah. I'm excited about seeing Donald Glover. Yeah, pull up yeah. young Lando. But I yeah, that's another one of my favorite scenes right there. Is is when they introduce Lando to you and like you said, his struggle of trying to be the right thing but stuck because he got Darth Vader over his shoulder. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's great. And then I I love the fact that. We upped our game on the lightsaber duel in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, like, like your friend was saying, the first one, Obi-Wan and Vader are pretty stiff and staunch mm -hmm. and, and, you know, not especially if you watch one, two, and three first. Like, why are these guys so slow? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Um, I like the fact that we had a little more jumping and flipping, and um, I thought the saber battle was much more intense between uh, Luke and Vader in this film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I love how that, uh, is it Cloud City? Mm-hmm. I love how it looks. Um, I just love the, the design of, of it. Me too. And this is another uh, place where I think the special edition helped out a lot because you're able to open it up and mm -hmm. really show it being a city in the clouds. And originally, all the set is closed off. There's no windows. There's no nothing. And now you have these big open spaces and mm -hmm. all these people and the ships. And you can see the Falcon come into the city and fly through the city. And, um, yeah, Bespin is a great location. I think one of my favorites in the the film series. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, without question, as we get toward the end of the film there, the most iconic scene is, of course, the 
the huge reveal that, yes. that shocks anyone who's never seen it before. And what is the real line? Because everybody misquotes it, right? Um, everyone quotes it as, Luke, I am your father, and it's no, I am your father. Right. Because he's like, uh, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He, he told me enough, you killed him. No, I am your father. But everyone always says, Luke, I am your father. But because it's kind of shorthand. It's yeah, like, shorthand. Without saying the first part, you're yeah. just trying to quote it from one line. You can't really do it. And I like the fact that they held that so close to the vest. It was Irving, yeah. Lucas, and I think like one or two of the producers knew, and nobody else did. Yeah, the that script is, had like them arguing, and but they yeah, didn't the, the script has um, Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. Uh, I killed him. He, or he yeah. told me. He told me enough. You killed him. No, Obi Wan killed him. That's oh, the line that David okay. Prowse says in the costume, and they pulled Mark Hamill aside literally right before they went out there and said. He's going to say this, but this is what's really going to be said. So Mark Hamill gets this shock of, you what? Yeah. Right before he has to go out there and act it. And, and uh, Irving says it takes two or three times before he really gets into that moment. And um, they said afterward, David Prowse was like, why is he freaking out over Obi-Wan? <laughs> doing that? I mean, what, what, what's the, what is the big deal? Um, so that was held until it hit the theaters. You know, wow. Those are the only people who knew. James Earl Jones even says... When he read that line in the script to do his voiceover, he thought, wow, what a great lie. How are they going to play off this lie? Because this has to be a lie. Yeah. Um, wow. That's and, interesting. Um, to me, I think it's the most iconic line in movie history. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think you can really argue that. I mean, I'm sure there's like a top ten list. It's yeah, be you on can there. throw Frank and my dear, I don't give a damn, and, and stuff sure. like that in there. But I think... Yeah, it's up there. I think everyone knows I am your father. I mean, that's yeah. just... You know, I was surprised. I remember when I was younger asking my dad, since I wasn't um, born yet when this movie came out, um, I asked him, were you really that surprised? Because, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to be surprised about anything. Yeah. We kind of talked about that last time. There's really, you can look up almost anything. There's no shock to any, there's no big reveal anymore, really. Um, and I said, you know, how, how could they have kept this under wraps? You know, surely you kind of knew or you, like, saw it coming. And he said, no, not at all. It was a yeah. huge shock. Yeah, no one saw it coming. There was no hint at it. There, of course, there's no internet, no social media, no nothing like yeah. that to spread word around. But it's also not hinted at in the movie itself. At all. In any but way. it's not unbelievable. No, it's no. Like, it's not, like, silly, like... Oh, you're like a, like when you uh, read a terrible mystery, where you go, who did it? And then they go, the mailman that you haven't seen. And you're like, that's dumb. This is like, yeah. you know, this is like, uh, you know, believable. And that's what it was. As a kid, before Jedi came out, we would talk about it all the time. Is that true or not? I mean. Oh, yeah, because you, you, you don't really know don't until the know next movie. Until the next movie. We're like, wow. it, was he lying? He's the bad guy. The bad guy lies, you know. Sure. Is but they this, always say that in movies too. They're like, "You're, you're lying." I know you're you're right. yeah. And and mean Luke even screams, "No, that's impossible." Yeah. And then he's like, "Man, yes, there's feelings. <laughs> you know it's true. You know, you know I'm your pops." Yeah. But um, yeah. For me as a child, that was still the most shocking thing I've ever seen in a movie. Is yeah. Is um, that that reveal? For sure. And that's and why I tell people if you have children. You do not watch them in numbered <laughs> oh, order. order yeah. yeah, you have to watch four, five, two, three, six, seven, and then maybe go back to one. <laughs> if you watch one, two, three, four, five, six, you are denying your children the shock and awe of Vader's reveal because they're like, 
Yeah, we all know that. Yeah, Tommy's going to call CBS. <laughs> call best CBS, child that is straight child abuse. <laughs> and your child will hate you later on in life. Um, <laughs> they might go to the dark side. Who knows? But yeah, if you're out there and you're showing someone these films for the first time, um, being adult about it. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just know that if you don't watch them in that order, you're going to ruin the biggest reveal in movie history. Right. Um, for people who watch it, and, and and if you want to start with World One, then go to Episode Four. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. You can do that. No, that's that's fine. That's. Um, that's probably the new way to watch it. But yeah, that's allowed. Uh, yeah, it's allowed because it's <laughs> basically to me, Rogue One and New Hope are now one movie. Yeah, yeah, so, that's um, true. Mm-hmm. You can do that. But yeah, for me, that's the most iconic line of the movie, seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it was hidden so much that that no one knew. Yeah. Um, like I said, that the fact that even the people who were in the movie didn't believe it. Right. It's pretty crazy. Um, kind of, I guess, backpedaling a little bit because we didn't talk a whole lot about this. I mean, we actually did talk about it at the very beginning, but um, the part with uh, where he's training with Yoda. Yes. And he like shows up and he, you know, he expects to see this great Jedi and. He does, but he's Yoda, and <laughs> that's a big shock for him. You know, something that kind of went over my head as a kid, and then I feel like I got even more out of it from listening to commentary even today, which is the mark of a great movie, um, is that, you know, this whole climax, it's all his fault. It's all Luke's fault. It's literally because he doesn't listen to Yoda, mm-hmm. and he leaves. And Yoda says, look, I know you want to save your friends, but they're they're doing their own thing. They're taking care of themselves. I'm paraphrasing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good Yoda impression. Um, but uh, he says, you need to stay here, and you need to train, and you're going to save more lives if you stay here. Things are going to work out better. And he goes, nope, and leaves. And I think that's part of the climax is all that is sinking in. I mean, it, it, it's like his fault, the thing with Han, um, and then also this ending. I mean, it just it ends on such a terrible oh, no. note, yeah. and it's because of the choice he made. That's really and dark. If you, yeah, if you think, and, and Yoda even tells Ghost Obi-Wan, it's too young, it's too rash, and, yeah. and, he, and he makes a young, rash decision mm-hmm. to go save his friends because he doesn't understand what's going on and what he's seeing. and. He doesn't understand the big picture. Oh, another part I didn't realize, I think, until... I think if you're a real Star Wars fan, you definitely picked up on this, and I did not. So probably not obvious to some of you, but uh, I didn't notice that they were torturing Han just to get um, Luke's attention. Like, in the commentary, they were saying, there's no information that Han has. There's nothing he can give them. They're only doing that because they know that it will somehow call back to Luke. Yeah. But then it's actually Leia, right, that kind of she starts to feel yeah. something and because what she's feeling, he feels it, right? Yes, yeah. because she's the force she, second one. Exactly, yeah, because she's connected to the force. That's something I, I kind of miss. I mean, it makes sense. I don't know why I didn't think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, as a, again, as a kid, they're just yeah. bad guys. That's what mm-hmm. bad guys do. But, yeah, watching it older, I'm like, yeah, you know, the only reason, yeah, they're, they're doing that is to, he's got to draw Luke in somehow. Yeah, because I mean, Luke you're is just, far away, has no idea what's happening. And Vader has no idea where Luke is, right. but he knows that there's a connection there, because in his mind, he's had that conversation with the Emperor, um, which is another great scene, Yep. Um, yep. where he's like, well, maybe we can turn him. They know he's Anakin Skywalker's kid, so they know right. he's connected. So, yeah, that's something as a kid I didn't catch up on at all, but as an adult, it came around that... Um, yeah, he's only doing that to draw Luke there. And you're right. If, if Luke had just stayed behind, they, they might have died. Um, they might have not have. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what would happen to him. Well, Han would have been in the same place if Luke doesn't show up. Han still at Jabba's palace. Yeah, maybe um, it would have bought her more time to get stronger. They needed, I mean, Vader needs him. Yeah. He's not, um, and this is something else I kind of didn't totally pick up on in listening to the commentary, got a lot more information, but um, Vader is too weak to be a Sith anymore because he's so far gone, or that's what the director and Luke, Lucas were saying. So he needs Luke in order to realize his dream, you know? Yeah. And so really... Um, they were saying he doesn't even love his son. All this talk about we're going to do this together, it's its not true. He is evil, and he only cares about his son enough to, uh, as a means to his own, to, as a means to so an end. end. Yeah, because yeah. the Sith tradition is the apprentice kills a master, and Vader was no longer strong enough. Yeah, so it's like Palpatine. he's got nothing to lose, but it's like, hey, I'm going to put you up against him. Yeah, and, yeah, and then, you and I together could take out my boss, but yeah. about, you know, on my own, and then We'll be father and son. I'll be in charge, and you'll be the prince, and yeah. I think we'll be happy, hunky dory in Sith town. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's that's why Vader is such a great character. Even though you know there's a good man still inside, he's just flat out evil. He yeah. kills people left and right in that movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, talk about a bad day at work. You know, it just he kills that first admiral, and then he kills another one. And yeah, yeah. If you just get in his way, he just snaps your neck real quick. Cause, yeah. I mean, he he is a bad guy. Right. Um, through and through that movie. And that's what makes him so iconic, I think. Yeah, and um, I, I was hearing in the uh, commentary, Irvin also mentioned that um, adding that scene where he's putting the helmet on, he said before that scene, you don't know who's in there. Like, you don't know if it's a robot. You don't know. I mean, there's nothing yeah. really. Is he an alien? How do you know that's even. That's something we don't think about anymore because these movies are so iconic. We know exactly what he looks like, we know who he is, he's the father. But before this part of the, the trilogy, this is the first indication that he's even human. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting thought. He said, by just by doing that, we kind of humanize the characters a little yeah. bit and let you know what's going on in there. Right, right. Because um, you don't see him without the helmet till the third one. So, yeah. so it's kind of like this is how we communicate that and, and also like get the audience more invested. Like, oh, look, he's, he is human. You know, who is under there? Which also yeah. makes the, the payoff at the end of I'm your father. Well, right, we know he's right. a human in there, so he could be. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's possible That's when now. You're like, oh, okay. He's not a Wookiee in there. You know, yeah. <laughs> we know that this, this could be the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, and going back to Dagobah, because we kind of skipped over this scene a bit, um, I love the fact that Luke's there looking for this great, powerful Jedi Master, and he mm-hmm. finds this somewhat demented. Uh, Yoda at first, maybe he's playing Luke. He comes across as a nut. I mean, yes. he's well, laughing at everything. Island a long time. Yeah, he has been there a long time, <laughs> and he's laughing and he's giggling and he's eating his Twix bars and, yeah. and you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's hitting R two with his cane and yeah. I mean, but then you know, you find out that he's this great warrior, and when the X wing sinks in the swamp and Luke can't do it, Yoda's kind of like, whatever, kid. Boom! It's like this, and you really realize how powerful Yoda is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For being such a small, you know. Yeah. You know, judge him not by his size, because right, he's right. this great, powerful person uh, in this little bitty body. I feel like that motif is definitely very uh, Japanese too, because um, in in Japanese movies or even like in in animated films, there's always like this tiny little grandpa character that's like completely awesome and like a, a awesome samurai or whatever, and he's always like 
the master and you know the kids always like I'm young and then they get into a fight and he's like way better than them somehow I feel like he really borrowed from that idea and I, I love that I love you brought that up because that is such a great uh, concept because um, and this is way off topic no, no. but there's an episode of The Simpsons where Marge tries to open a business but she's going against Maude and the other ladies and they end up hiring the Japanese mob and the, the, the Tony Soprano mob and at the end they all fight in The Simpsons yard and as they're fighting, uh, Marge is like, come inside, and, and Homer's like, but the little guy hasn't done anything yet. The little guy always does the best stuff, you know? Yep, yep, yep. He's just standing there waiting for the little guy to do something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can so definitely it's funny see that you that. brought that up about it being Japanese culture, because I just uh, instantly thought of that. Too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I instantly think of like three or four shows or movies I've seen where there's there's a Yoda, basically. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he's always awesome. Yeah, and it's a great character, and I love how they portrayed him off as you were expecting some big, powerful warrior, and you got this little bit of green dude. And well, it's also foreshadowing because, I mean, let's be honest, Luke is not a big, giant guy. No. I mean, he's, no, he's small, not. and yeah. he's not well-trained. He's not, you know, and so it's like kind of a way of saying, like, this could be you. You know, yes. this is possible. Yeah, you're not Liam Neeson, but that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay, because <laughs> you'll, you'll still do. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that you see Obi-Wan again mm-hmm. as a Force ghost. Yes. Um, it did confuse me as a kid when he <laughs> said, if you if you face Vader again, I can't help you this time. And I'm like, well, hey, when did you help me the first time? <laughs> and why not? You're a ghost. Yeah, can't you just go, like, move your wand yeah, this way? I mean, that yeah, way? can't you be there? Yeah, I mean, right, you know? why don't you appear in front of Vader? It'd freak him out. I mean, <laughs> if I'm Vader, I don't understand about it. Yeah, damn, that'd freak him out entirely. I guess that'd be lame if at the end uh, he was like, left, right. Up, down. And, and you're like, well, uh, Lucas. Well, if you read the novelization of the first one, Obi Wan used the Force to put those torpedoes in there just for the Death Star. That's, oh, okay. that's I think that's what he's referring to. Is I won't be able to help you this time. Yeah. I did a I did a motion. That's yeah. what I think maybe he did. Yeah, he kind of Jeez. pushed him in there. Um, but um, yeah, that, I love that. I love they brought Alec Guinness back. Who, mm-hmm. You know, as we talked before, didn't like. Being in the movies. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. We did talk about that. But uh, I love they came back as a force ghost and, and just telling Luke, patience, don't go. And of course, I like the little subtle, and I never understand why Obi Wan says this because he knows that boy's our only hope. And Yoda's like, no, there's another. I'm like, what do you mean there's another? You know, you kind of have that little yeah. cliffhanger. You kind of forget about it because of the big reveal of I am your father. But it's like, Yoda said there's another, another person out there who can do this. And even though Leia kind of hears Luke, you never really put put it together that she's going to be that person. Yeah. Um, the whole for all you Harry Potter fans, total Harry Potter Neville situation. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> there's another one. Yeah, there's always another one. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, that is kind of dumb if he knows they're related. How, why wouldn't he just go? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, maybe 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 Obi Wan's a little misogynistic. He's like, yeah. well, well, there's the woman, I guess. But we don't have the force. <laughs> yeah. They're period. We don't. Just yeah. Like. Just female Jedi always get in trouble and yeah. causing problems. They're emotional. They're hysterical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah, I, I do feel that like uh, I, I guess I guess the explanation of he does not care at all about Luke makes me feel a little bit better why Vader doesn't even mention Leia. <laughs> how how messed up is that? I'm your father. She didn't even say that to her. Yeah. At all. No, not well and then but I think though, I think in the storytelling, Vader doesn't know 
about Leia and oh, Jedi. Okay, okay. I think he, I think in the novelizations and so forth, um, what they're currently making canon, he sends people out to find out who destroyed the Death Star and they come back and say it's a kid named Skywalker. And when he hears okay. the name, boom, he realizes right. he's got a kid. Right. And I think because Luke is using the Force, Palpatine's able to feel him and know that Luke's out there and active. Gotcha. Where Leia has not approached any of her abilities and powers yet, so she's still hidden. I also think that uh, she would be a lot harder to turn to the dark side. I, I feel like so that's too. heavily implied in the first three movies and the movies now. Um, Leia because it seems to cons- strong will. Yeah, yeah, it seems to consistently be the male character. I don't think that's a male-female thing. I think it's just her personality. Yeah, it's just she's, her character. Yeah, she's not as malleable as, uh, as Luke is. Yeah, she's not as emotional as Luke is. I yeah. mean, like you said, she saw her entire planet destroy the first movie, and she's like, well, we still got shit to do. Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, uh, I like that. Yeah. So Leia's definitely more strong-willed, much more of a suffer-and-silence kind of character, and yet, yeah, I don't think could have been turned yeah. or tempted like Luke could have been. Right, right. And she also doesn't have the same experiences that she had a family that she grew up with and yeah. stuff. I mean, they died, but I think she had that, like, strong face yeah. that Luke doesn't really get to have. No, he just has know? an uncle he argues with. And, but, um, yeah, and then, you know, like you said, the movie ends, you know, Luke loses his hand, Han's been taken off by a bounty hunter, uh, the Empire's destroyed Bespin, and, and, or at least forced uh, Lando out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the movie ends with, okay, well... Everything <laughs> everything that could go everything wrong... Everything Yeah, that could go wrong goes wrong. But I feel like you don't... Even though it ends that way, for some reason you don't feel super down. You just feel like... I think because of that reveal with the father thing and him saying no and he gets away, it, it ends on a on a strong note. It doesn't... Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. It, um, it could have it ended and you just go, well, that was terrible. Everyone yeah. talks about how he didn't have a giant... You know, awesome action climax. He had an emotional climax yeah. to the film, where right. you're yeah. stunned, but you've you've lost on. You're stunned by this revelation. It's true or not? Um, the, your best hope for the galaxy has lost his hand, and yeah, um, yeah, everything's in shambles. But you just can't wait to see what happens next. Right, right. The, I guess that that cliffhanger is what keeps you from being depressed. You're like, oh. okay, I, I gotta know how this is gonna resolve I mean, itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the three-year wait was torture as a child. <laughs> yeah. Torture as a child. Um, for that payoff. But yeah, that's yeah. that's why that's why for me, though, Empire is still my favorite movie. Is it shows you not everything's always hunky-dory. That, you know, these characters did have to struggle um, and go through things to get to their ultimate goals. Um, and like you said, for... Vader's redemption in Jedi really means something. You really had to see how rotten of a person he was. He become how yeah. lost he was, and Empire really shows you um, how how evil Vader had become. Yeah, yeah, I totally. This, this wasn't a kind of. I was maybe I was in the dark side a little bit, but really I was gonna come <laughs> back in the end. Right. No, he's he's totally embraced in it, and as much crap as the prequels give, yet um, they do explain where Anakin is a lot more because. Yeah. He's lost his wife, and mm-hmm. he lost everyone he cares about. He feels he's been betrayed by his best friend, and and now he's made so many bad decisions that he's stuck in this robot armor, and mm-hmm. everything he wanted um, fell apart, and now he's just taking out everybody else. Right, right, yeah. But, yeah, for me, this is the best one um, of all the movies yeah. um, because the story is told so well. It's directed really well. 
Um, the special effects for that time were um, light years beyond anything we'd ever seen. Yeah. Even just comparing it to the A New Hope, the special effects were so much better. Yeah. Um, the modeling, uh, especially the, the stop motion animation for the Tauntauns and the ad Right, right. Um, especially if you ever look into what goes into that, how long it takes oh, to do gosh, those things. Oh gosh, yeah. George Lucas, uh, in the commentary, mentions a lot of times that because uh, they use so much practical effects, because that's all they had at the yeah. time, um, he kept mentioning, I wish we could have CG this or CG that. What's so ironic about that is that's what gave the movie such staying power. Yes. Like those obstacles, those having to work around certain things, having to figure out certain things, it being difficult to achieve, it, somehow it makes it more believable than when it's just like something easy you can kind of throw out there. Exactly. Green screen, you know? And again, I think that's what hurts the prequels is everything yep. is green screened. And I'm, I was so happy to see J.J. Abrams say, going back to The Force Awakens or going back to practical effects or going back yeah. to to that universe, um, and I think it's what made this film so successful. Yeah, I've always wondered, like, I've kind of wanted to have somebody, like, much younger than me on this show, like, that's, I don't know, 20 or 19, and ask them, how do you feel about CG and practical effects? Because it's occurred to me before that because uh, my generation, your generation, um, we grew up with it, I mean, is that part of why we can't accept it? You know, why, why do we hate CG so much? I mean, is it really that unbelievable, or are we so stuck on practical effects? Like, I've always wondered that. Like, how do younger people see it? Young people, email me or <laughs> tweet me. I don't know. What you think? Practical yeah. effects versus CGI? Yeah. And I think if CGI has gotten to where it is now, um, oh, I, yeah. I think the combination of the two is what's best. Yeah, it, it does It does help a lot. Um for me, on this, oh, I, I guess you already said what you really loved about it, but what keeps you coming back? Like, why do you specifically like this one so much more than the other two? Like, what? But yeah, coming back to this movie for me, it's because we really see the characters flushed out. Mm -hmm. um, you see Luke's journey, you think what he's going through. Like you said, he makes this giant mistake and yeah. and, and leaving where he leaves. Han Solo is so much more. Um, just flushed out as a character, you yeah, know. He's, yeah. he's dropping out this money grubby space part. You see how he's committed to Leia. There's the love story, right. um, the great lightsaber scene. Vader is such a villain in this movie, more mm -hmm. so than the first one. Um, you're introduced to great characters like Yoda, Lando, Boba Fett, um, and the payoff at the end is is still to me some days just gives me chills to hear him say that, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you get everything. You get a little bit of a space battle, uh, you get uh, a great ground scene, you, you keep remembering that this is still a war, um, and it's, most importantly, it's not just a rehash of Star Wars. Right, It's right. a completely different film. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's why I come back to it. That's, that's why I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think for me, what keeps me coming back to this movie um, you know, I like I like the the originals the best, four, five, and six. Um, but I think this one, I think you're right, and I, I'm going to agree with most people that it's definitely the strongest movie. I think, as you said, the character development is really there. I also I talk a lot in a lot of my uh, I guess thoughts on movies. I like it when people take risks. Um, I don't want to see the characters play it safe. I don't want to see them do the same thing they did the last time. I don't want to see them not make any mistakes. You know, I think we forget it was a huge risk to have this plot at all, to have Luke screw everything up. 
and for it to end so badly and for it to be his fault. And he's the main character, kind of. I mean, there's yep. three main characters, but it does center around Luke's journey. And that's a big risk that they took. And it paid off in such an incredible way, I think, because of Lucas's vision and then also um, Irvin's direction. Um, and then Mark Hamill's performance. But I really like movies like that. I think that's kind of what separates from a, that was a really good movie to that was a great movie is when you get something like this where it's um, different and um, it takes a big risk and it pays off. Yeah, I agree. I think the yeah. key element for, like you said, what makes a movie a great movie, I need a flawed character. Right, right. Um, I, I need someone who, who makes mistakes and has to adjust and, and overcome the choices they made. And uh, Empire gives you that. This is this film, as great as Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford is, this film is completely carried by Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's just his film. It's his story. Right. And uh, he delivers. Yep. He does a great job. All right. Ending on a heavy note. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope you had fun on this one. I feel like, did you feel like we had more time? To yes, kind of go yes, through? we had yeah, a lot yeah, more yeah. time. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I like oh, you're, you're, like, you're definitely forgetting. We're both forgetting something. I know. It's like, That's man, part I, of it. I love the ad-ads and uh, oh, I know. snow battles. And yeah. I love that Cliff and Cheers was in the movie. Um, <laughs> to this day, I'm 42 years old. This is my favorite movie. Yeah, and I mean, when you say that, nobody is, like, surprised. They're yeah. like, yeah, that's, a, like, everybody's favorite, you know? Yeah, often when people are like, well, give me a list of your top ten favorite movies, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to count Star Wars, because you have to understand <laughs> that if I did, I'm biased seven of my seven or eight of the movies my top ten are going to be these films, and that's just not yeah. right. It's not fair to the movies. But this one uh, is the one that makes both lists, I think, yes, right? Yeah. yeah, so I always tell people, just assume you already know the Star Wars franchise with Empire at the lead are my favorite films. Mm -hmm. Now I'll give you the rest. There's a top ten that doesn't include Star Wars. Right. For, for those of you at home that don't know, um, I, I put this on my social media, but my other laptop died. Um, it, it was really old. It could not be revived. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to let go, but I did. I said goodbye. And so I couldn't do my interview that I wanted to do with, uh, with Mitchell, who will be in another episode. We're going to do Drop Dead Gorgeous. And Tommy, right away, seeing my message, went, hey, I'm coming to you. Like, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Which was really cool of him. And um, so, so anyway, yeah, you kind of saved the day. And really, this should have happened a while ago. I feel like we should have done this episode a while ago anyway. Oh, well, um, it's it great seems to like see you've you got so, it's, it's great that you've got so many people who want to do it. It's, it's, I, it's I a problem at this that, point. Yeah, like, it really so is. Because I thought, like, oh, man, I'll just come over one day. We'll sit for five hours and talk about this movie, that movie, this movie, <laughs> that movie. Like we kind of did tonight. Yeah, anyway. yeah. And uh, then you'll just have a stockpile to throw out there whenever it, you want to. You know to. what? And we should do that. Because um, right now, the, the hardest thing is just scheduling. And the other, the other challenging thing about doing this podcast is there's an amount, obviously, you guys can tell it's not a professional amount of research. I mean, but, but it, it is research in that, you know, you spend a couple hours watching the movie. You spend, um, usually I spend, like, my lunch break the evening before uh, researching the movie. And then we record. So anytime that falls through, I can't just grab somebody else because I feel that I'm doing that other person a disservice. I'm not watching a movie. I'm not researching it. Um, when it's fresh on my mind, I can tell personally. There's been a couple episodes where I, I did kind of wing it, and I can tell. 
you know, I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say, and neither did the other person. So um, that that's why in the past when I've had to cancel, like this past week, I didn't put one out at all. I was like, you know what? The technology's not here for me today. And I just, I want it to be, um, you know, to give you that time and respect. You took time out here to come and do this. So I want to make sure that I give you that uh my full attention so and i think that's why i enjoy the podcast so much is that you do do your research and and the people who come on here are clearly have been theirs oh yeah they make I'm, it easy i just kind of chime in i mean you've noticed i'm like oh dark sith <laughs> <laughs> uh huh <laughs> and it's because i mean i really like these movies but i want an expert i want to hear from somebody who knows everything about it and right? like you said it's, it's good to have a fresh in mind i have yeah. literally seen this film Hundreds and hundreds of times, <laughs> but I still sat down and watched it again last night just yeah. so it would be fresh in my mind mm-hmm. again. That's what makes um, the podcast so easy, too, because you already love it, so you have no problem. It's not work. I don't assign yeah. you a movie. Yeah, so like, maybe I'll like this movie, maybe I won't, you know. Yeah. Um, and there there are so many great movies out there, and it's, I think it's really cool you have a podcast where people come on and talk about yeah. why they love a movie, and it's so casual, and it's so fun, and it's easy to listen to. And Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, you know, people always say that, and it sounds like a lie, but it's the truth. I had no idea people would be that interested. I've had several people with their own well-established podcasts reach out to me. I think people just want to be heard. They just want someone to listen to them and be interested, you know. You don't want to tell somebody about your favorite thing and have them go, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You don't want someone okay. to... Or go, you like that movie too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I will never say that. I promise. And I, I love to talk about movies, so this is, a great, this is <laughs> yeah. a great outlet for that because yeah. I hate that when I meet someone new and they're like, yeah, I'm not really into movies. I'm like, oh, we would have been great friends, but... Bye. <laughs> but yeah. bye. bye. I'm the same way. I, I can definitely tell when I've told somebody about something that I love and their eyes gloss over or they don't care. And I've always struggled to find people to talk movies with. And I think my best friendships, sadly <laughs> or, or thankfully, um, are always with people that really love movies because... I'm not good at useless chit-chat. Oh, how's the weather? Did you see that game? Like, I, I'm not good at that, guys. I'm, I'm weird and different, and I need somebody to obsess and break down every scene of a movie with me in order to have a good friendship with you. So, and I love that. People, <laughs> I, I, I want that, too. I'm just like, yeah. I love to meet new people who haven't who like movies but haven't seen a movie so mm-hmm. I can share the movie with them. Sure. Indoctrinate and I, them. Yeah, indoctrinate <laughs> them and get there. And I get there. I love... The whole concept of, uh, I, I saw the big sick last night, and yeah. um, there's a scene, not to spoil anything for you guys, but there's a scene where he's trying to make um, her watch an old Vincent Price movie, uh-huh. and as she's starting to watch it, he's not watching the movie, he's watching her, yep, and, yeah. and I, and I kind of feel that way, when I watch a movie with somebody, I want to see the reaction, I also don't want you to talk, okay, save your <laughs> questions for the I, end. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, true story, because of your Vincent Price thing, I... Nick and I fought over it. We wanted to get uh, Vincent Price and Bella Lugosi tattoos. Don't ask. Not even not even portraits. This is a weird, dumb idea that I feel like we're still going to do. But, like, not even portraits, just, like, their name. Like, maybe in their signature. And um, we, were, we would fight over who gets Vincent Price. Because we went through this weird phase where we would watch all these really old black and white horror movies. And we became, like, obsessed with them. He's great. <laughs> He's so great. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, you guys have been super patient with my technology fails. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, really enjoyed having Tommy on this week to discuss the second installment. Kind of bummed that my audio didn't cooperate like I thought it would. But want to give a huge shout out to Josh, who saved the day. I actually lost this file completely, <laughs> which is why it's so late and he was able to recover it. So thank you, Josh. You rock. Um, if you guys have any feedback you want to give me, go ahead and reach me on Twitter. You can reach me at AYA Lisa Cosplay. You can also reach me on Instagram at, it's a little longer, it's AYA, and as a Nancy, A, M as a Mary, I, Lisa. And you can also reach us in our private uh, closed Facebook group called I Love That Movie. There you'll find other movie lovers uh, that like to talk about movies with reckless abandon. There's no judgment. No matter what kind of movie you like, everyone there will support you. It's really fun. I just like having a safe space to go to to post movie news. I know I'm not bugging everybody, anybody because everybody in there is obsessed with movies. So yeah, if you want to be a part of that and join in on the conversation, just send me a request and I'll add you. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is, uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to us. And also, if you could leave a review. Uh, we have a contest right now for uh, positive reviews on Apple iTunes Podcasts. We'll be entered to win a $20 gift card. Once I get to 20 I'm going to r randomly uh, select a name. I think right now we're at seven or eight reviews. So, guys, it's free money. Uh, enter. Um, but, yeah. So if you do that, it helps other people find the podcast and it supports us and you get free money. So yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's it, guys. I look forward to hearing from you next week. See you soon. Bye.